Welcome to the Shooters Brawl podcast made by fans for the fans. I'm your co-host, Dee Swizzle. And tonight, we've got a very special guest joining us tonight on the Shooters Brawl panel is Danny Kordahi. Danny is the director and co-founder of DKM Blue, a multi-award winning promotional marketing and corporate clothing company. Danny oversees DKM Blue's sales and marketing direction. He is a respected entrepreneur, long-standing industry professional, and his professional career, he has acted as president of the Entrepreneurs Organization Sydney chapter, as well as being an American Express ambassador. How you doing, Danny? I'm fine, thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. Great to great to have you on. Um, also, part of your credentials is you are a huge basketball fan and also involved in coaching the next generation of Australia's basketball talent here, teaming up with Mr. Magic himself, Steve Carfino, for number one draft pick basketball academy. Uh, how you been and how has, you know, COVID-19, um, you know, how, how has number one draft pick impacted mm-hmm. and also how have you been, how has, you know, number one draft pick uh, managed the COVID-19 situation? Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's been quite tough. We, um, we run our academy throughout the, throughout the year, all four terms of the year. So we run 10-week programs each term. Mm-hmm. And then uh, once COVID hit, we had to shut down all our classes. So we went from running 13 classes a week to zero classes a week. And, you know, all the kids were, you know, really upset and disappointed about that. But, you know, it is what it is. And we had to deal with that. And so we basically had to shut down everything. And we were fortunate enough to be able to return in the July school holidays, just finished last couple of weeks. So, you know, now we're back on court. Um, our school holiday camps were a huge success. We had a great camp with Coach Rob Beveridge, um, who's, you know, renowned... Um, as a development coach and NBL championship winner and gold medalist at the uh, World Junior Championships in basketball. So he put on an elite camp for all the rep kids. So they were really excited to get back on the court and compete again. And then our Term 3 Academy launches uh, today, basically. So we had our first classes back again. So it's, it's great to see that, you know, we've gone through the, I think, the hardest part of COVID. And now we're back on court again and enjoying the great sport of basketball. Fantastic. It's good to hear that, you know, there has been some positives coming out of these challenging times. Uh, Tonight, we're going to talk basketball. We're going to talk about the National Basketball League. And joining us tonight is also my co-host here at the Shooters Roll. T, how are you going? Uh, Good, good, good. Great to be be talking basketball again, for sure. Fantastic. And also joining us tonight is the three-point demon from my old hood, Blacktown. How are you going, RJ? Hey, this is AT. Hey, Danny, how you doing? Good, good. Thanks, mate. First off the bat, you know, um, I just uh, wanted to get Danny's take on um, his experiences watching the NBL um, on on TV and 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 in real life, being there at, um, at the courts. Oh man, I've I go back many many years to to the NBL. I uh, I still remember my first NBL game at the State Sports Centre. And it was a Wednesday night, and it was the Sydney Supersonics playing against the Canberra Cannons. Tiny Supersonics, Supersonics, just came back. Will Smy, um, <laughs> you know, all the old names. And 
my, my coach at school said, oh, Danny, there's a game on tonight at the State Sports Centre. We need someone to go out and hand out some flyers pre-game to do a promotion. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. So I get to the game, uh, walk in, and yeah, the game started, and I've got these flyers in my hand. And I looked around like, you know what, I'm watching the game. <laughs> sat down, got some popcorn, and, and enjoyed the game. That was um, my first introduction to basketball, and ever since then, I've seen it goes through the highs and the lows, and you know, from the Supersonics to the Kings when they formed in '88. Uh, watching every home game and seeing, you know, the, moving from the state sports center at Olympic Park over to the entertainment center and seeing the full house sign when the D train was playing in the early 90s at 10,500 a game um, was an incredible buzz. And, you know, all the way through to Gorgian getting his three, three championships oh. for the Kings. Um, yeah, so I've seen all the highs and the lows, all the teams come and go. Um, and, you know, we're still here. and I think it's everyone talks about the heyday and the glory days of the early 90s with Chicago. Um, you know, the Bulls were a household name with Michael Jordan. But I think th these are the heyday, heydays now. It's like it's really um, hasn't been in much better uh, position than it is at the moment with all the NBL uh, talent that we've got, the Australian talent, yeah. playing in colleges in the US and in the NBA as well. That's uh, look. Just in, in terms of, you know, the current state of the game, what do you think, if you can put down one particular aspect, what are you most excited about the current situation in the NBL? I, th I think the biggest thing that, um, obviously the new ownership group, group from the NBL, Larry Kestelman coming in and bringing on board Jeremy Loliga as, as CEO, they've, they've had the entrepreneurial flair come to the game. And I think that's something that we've lacked in the country for a very long time. And when I'm talking about entrepreneurial flair, it's, it's not doing things the same way they've been done the whole time, just because that's how it was done. Yeah. What they've done, what they've brought to the parties, think outside the box, do something different, dare to dream something big. You know, when would you have ever thought an NBA team will be playing against an NBA team in yeah. preseason? You know, yeah. like the last few years, we've had some of the teams going and playing against some of the biggest names in the world. And, that came from an idea. They're there, you know, taking that further. The next, the next stars program, um, you know, bringing in Terence Ferguson to Adelaide, who all of a sudden is now a starter with OKC. Uh, you know, Brian Bowen. Um, you know, the names keep. You know, Mellow Ball. So Mellow Ball, yeah. all these household names and what they're doing is bringing eyeballs to the to the sport in Australia. Not only eyeballs from all around the world, but also all the all the young kids, all these kids aspiring to be the next the next big thing, you know, getting um, highlights on basketball rather than just the other sports that they get to see every day. You, you spoke there about uh, entrepreneurial flair. That, uh, that really comes home to you and to your family, mm -hmm. um, particularly in the last, you know, uh, couple of months, uh, big developments. Uh, tell us about... Uh, the Hawks and 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 your your family's connection to uh, the now rebranded Hawks team. Absolutely, I mean everyone knows. You know, a few a few months ago, uh, the Hawks were in a bit of financial strife, and yeah. they went into administration, and uh, the NBL took the license back. And my uh, business partner and, and brother Dory um, put together a, a group of uh, international buyers, and then they've taken over the license, and now you know they're. You know, so the whole new team is being built around that. They've been able successfully to lure back Brian Gorgian from China. So, you know, the NBL's, one of the NBL's greatest coaches 
if not the greatest coach um, in Australia, you know, back at the helm of a club like Illawarra. I think it's, it proves to bring some exciting things in the future. Uh, we talk about, you know, the Sydney Kings being the marquee NBL team traditionally, uh, but there's a, it, it seems as though with the star power that the Hawks um, and in particular the new ownership are bringing to the game this coming season. It's pretty exciting, isn't it? I mean, you, you've got um, bringing back Gordon to, to coach back in Australia and with along with your brother and, and um, Michael Proctor, you've got a, a former NBA powers, powerhouse executive front office man in Brian Colangelo also being part of the, the ownership team. It's, it's exciting times. There's going to be some budding rivalry here for um, um, top billing of the NBL's top team, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, the, the Kings have always been the big brother to the Hawks. And they've always, you know, it's, I think it's that tide may turn this next season. You've got some of the biggest names in, in basketball working with the, the Hawks, you know, and traditionally as the underdogs. And I think they're going to pull up some, some big surprises for the next season. Disappointing season last year for the Hawks, five and twenty-three uh, from the twenty-eight game season. Uh, in your view, serious contenders for the coming season? Yeah, I don't. When think it does resume, at, I don't think you can look at what happened last year. That's it, it's basically there's a line in the sand. That's all gone. This is, it's going to be a new team, new coaching staff, new ownership group, uh, new network of connections, um, and they're not in there just to have a go. They're they're in there to win this. So they're definitely going to be looking at. You know, ruffling some feathers, so to speak, and uh, making some big changes. Hey, Danny, I have a question. Sure. So, so before your your family, your partner bought the Illawarra Hawks. Which which team did you did you vouch for? Like, which team did you go for? Was it the Kings? I'm always, I've always been a Kings fan. <laughs> so, is it, it, so, so the question is, uh, because you are like a part owner or you're associated with a part owner, is that going to change now? Like, are you not a Kings fan anymore? <laughs> I, I, you know, that's a very good question. A lot of people ask me that same question. You know, my heart's still with the Kings, um, but you know, I've got two teams now. And I, you know, and I actually, as a junior, I grew up. I played for the Hawks in their youth league team in the early nineties. So I do have some connections down there, and um, you know, I've always had those connections in Wollongong. And you know, I'll still, I'll st- I've always supported uh, the underdogs. But if it's Kings and and Hawks at, at Sydney, I'll, I'll be. Yeah, quietly going for the Kings and you know, something there for the Hawks as well. We'll see how we go. Are you going to make that jersey like uh, the Curry uh, parent? Half, half, like half, half, half. half and... <laughs> uh, it is um, going to be a, an interesting season. Um, the Kings were strong coming out of the back end. Uh, you know, the majority of last season and, and um, conceded in the final given the, the short shortened final series because of COVID-19. Um, is there, from, from your point of view, who is uh, this coming season um, uh, heavy, heavy favourites or is there a heavy favourite coming into this coming NBL season? Yeah, I think it's still very early at this stage because, you know, free agency only opened up a few days ago. Mm. So there's still a lot of, um, you know, movement with the teams, play still being signed. I don't think any of the rosters are finalised at this stage. So, you know, obviously Perth is going to be there. They've re-signed Bryce Cotton, um, I think, for another three years. So they're going to be extremely tough as well. Um, you know, the Kings team is going to look so different. They've lost a lot of players from last season. Um, you know, Adelaide with a new coach. Um, you know, it's... Uh, 
there's going to be a lot of changes. I think it's going to look so different to last year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Kings did. Uh, I did. I did see that. Um, Didi Luzada is is back with them for this coming season. He was a product of the NBL's Next Stars program. Mm-hmm. Uh, great program, bringing, like you mentioned earlier today, the spotlight onto our National Basketball League and, and drawing in um, great talent from the States. Uh, it was a, is it going to be a hard act to follow from last year, given that, you know, Melo, Lamelo was here and RJ was here? You know, it's, I think there's always going to be somebody new that's coming out. I mean, I know they're working on a number of players at the moment that, that can help build that profile. Um, it is going to be a tough act to follow, but you don't know who's going to turn up tomorrow. Like, there's so many young kids that are, that are developing and, and, and growing the game. And, um, and I think with uh, Lamella Ball and what his dad has done for him in terms of promoting the Ball brand and, yeah. um, you know, He's a very smart man, how he's built that, that brand. And, you know, people say he's put a lot of pressure on his kids. But, you know, what? I think they can, they can handle it. They're used to that spotlight. Um, so it'll be interesting to see next season what, what that has to bring. And obviously the M- NBA has seen that. And they're like, oh, you know, we've got a bit of competition now. How do we, you know, they've started to put some rules in with the G League, trying to entice those kids to the G League where they can get paid um, and stay home. But it's still the experience of going to another country, playing against men um, as a professional on that level, I think it's only going to help those kids. So there's, you know, there's the pros and cons for either, either way as well. Um, you did make mention of that just then. Um, uh, up and coming uh, young talent, um, being in the courts and the training facilities every day, uh, mixing it up with fully grown men. I mean, that's, that's the product of you know, the, the Next Stars program, the, one of the advantages of that program. Um, I mean, in large part, it's to do with the NBA rules and eligibility for the NBA draft. Uh, do you see a, a, a bigger shift in players from the States taking up the opportunity, say, like you mentioned, in the G League, here in the, in the Next Stars program, um, as opposed to going down the traditional college route? Yeah, I think the, the big thing with college versus professional is if you if you know you're going to be a one-and-done prospect and you're going to go to college for one season, risk injury, um, and then not get the chance to get the draft, that's, there's always an argument against that. But some of those kids that know they're going to be in the NBA, they're going to go up the path of going to the G League for one year or coming to the NBA for that one season and getting earning a paycheck um, and living as a professional and getting that experience, which is, you know, the experience of life, really. So that's, that's always going to be there. And, and, you know, some of the other things we've got, you know, for those that don't know, we've got NBA Global Academy in Canberra. So we've got some of the best talent in Australia in that academy. And some of those players now are graduating and rather than going to the US college, they're signing with NBA teams. Yeah. Uh, proofs in the pudding, isn't it? Because there is uh, coming from, you know, instead of the, the college path, you, you have players who've, who've, who've been grown up in the game. Uh, one name in comes to mind, particularly for me, Luka Doncic mm-hmm. uh, played a lot of basketball in his youth. And he's, I mean, we talk about him like he's an old man, but geez, he's still, he's still young and he's been you know, playing in Europe for, for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. He's an amazing player. Yeah, yeah. 
coming to the the development, um, you made mention of the leadership of the NBL um, under Kesselman and also under um, the Commissioner Bolgler. Um They've brought in, you know, they brought in the Next Stars program and, and they're seeing their way through um, the growth um, and, and reinvigoration of the game. Um, you, you made mention of, you know, the 90s being known as the heyday, but you've, you're quietly confident that this coming period is going to be the heyday um, that will outshine um, the previous 90s period? Absolutely. I mean, we've, we've got names in, in the league now that we would have dreamt of having here, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, all the clubs now that are signing NBL, NBL players, all their imports, the first thing people say, which NBA, which NBA team did he play for? Like, if, if an import doesn't come into the league with credentials of NBA experience, then they're not going to cut it. It's a reject. <laughs> that's yeah, what that it's, it, you know, and that, that's how it is. I mean, that's that's a great thing that we've created. Um, and you know, you had players like Andrew Bogut coming back into the league. Like yeah. these are things that we would have dreamt of happening in the past. We, you know, and all of a sudden we're getting these household names on a global stage playing in, in our local league. The the the, the past generation um, could be considered the a part of the golden. Era, the, the the trailblazers of the league. You got, you know, uh, you, you made mention of Bogut and 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 Heal when he made you know the squad for the Minnesota Timberwolves when he was playing. Gaze won a, a chip with uh, San Antonio. Um, your thoughts on um, the the elder statesmen who've paved the way for the game in, in Australia? I mean, absolutely. Those, those guys were the, the pioneers, really. Like yeah. the. You know, me growing up in, in that 80s and 90s era, that's really where I looked up to those players and thought, wow, you know, like how do they get there? And, and they've, without them, you know, the new generation, the Ben Simmons and, um, you know, Paddy Mills and Delhi and all those guys, there's no way they would have got there without, without that generation. So they're the ones that, and it's always the same case, you know, the older brother, like I am, I've got two younger brothers. Yeah. I paved the generation for them. So, you know, it's always the same. You've got the, you know, the old sets that always break down that first barrier and they make it easier for the, for the next group to, to see it happen. Hey, I can look long, we've got those championships. You know, all of a sudden, it's possible. We can go from Australia to the biggest stage in the world to get a championship. Uh, I know that uh, one of the memories that stick out for me, um, talking about... Um, the, the pioneers of the game. And I'm sure, RJ, you can comment on this because uh, I remember us talking about this when we were in high school. Uh, Atlanta Olympics, pre, pre-Olympic Games, Boomers v Dream Team, and uh, Shane the Hammer Heel lands six three-pointers in uh, the half. Do you remember that, Jay? I remember that. Wasn't that in Utah, though? Yeah. It was in Utah. It was the pre, Utah. pre-tournament. pre-tournament. And that's when, yeah. that's when he glo- would try to glock Barkley. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's that's the, that's the thing you're talking about, right? I think that one performance though um, brought heel, possibly potentially Minnesota, Minnesota to for his contract <laughs> with Minnesota, yeah. just standing yeah. up to Barkley. Mm. I think so. I think so. Yeah, uh, great, great games, and that that was one of the memories that that stood out for me in in the pioneer era um, of the game. Now the 
the way the games changed in in the NBL, um, I do note that you know the pioneers of the game they're still of relevant significance here. I mean, Gaze, uh, all time best player in the NBL's history. Um, I don't even think that anyone can come close to stating that there's been a better player in the NBL than Andrew Gaze. Um, um, and he's given back subsequently to to the game in in the way of coaching. Uh, Danny, do you see that this is um, a, a trend that is going to happen with this current um, golden generation of NBA talent that's going to come back to Australia? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think the, the current crop of Australian players playing in the NBA, hmm. um, I think most, I mean, like what Andrew Bogut's done, what you'll start finding is a lot of those players, when they come to the back end of their careers, they'll feel like they've got an obligation to Australian basketball to come back and finish one or two seasons in the NBL. Yeah. yeah, and as we start, you know, once we've got 15, 20, 30 NBA players in, on the, on playing currently, as, they, as that number grows, I mean, at the moment, I think we've got 14 or 15, but as that number grows in the next few years, we might have 20, 25, 30. What you're going to find is every one or two years, there's going to be some of the, that crop is going to get to retirement age from the league. They may come down here and play one or two seasons, you know, and they'll help develop the next group of, young local talent and work with them daily to help them get to that stage. And, you know, once they retire, they'll get into the game. You know, they may get into coaching. It, it'll, and it just evolves from there. I think that's, that's what we need to get to, point, to a point where Australia becomes, you know, a major player in the world. Um, I think we are at the moment. People look at us that way. But I think once we start getting a medal in the world champs and medals in the Olympics, you know, that, that starts putting more and more emphasis on, on the game in Australia. It's, it's within grasp, isn't it? It's just, it's there. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's there. And um, I, I'm, I'm not sure if you went down to uh, Marvel Stadium earlier I was there for last year. Were you there for the, for the game that Paddy Mills exploded in the fourth yeah. and, and brought home the win? I mean, that's just the, that the calibre and the potential of the talent that Australia has, mm-hmm. um, even playing against um, arguably the best team in the world in America. So... Yeah. And those guys play against those NBA-level players every day in the NBA. So it's not like in the early 90s when we come up. These are players that you'd see on TV back then. All of a sudden, you're on the court and you're in awe. Before you know it, you're watching them dunk and do all this stuff. And by the time you wake up from that shell shock, it's half time and you're down by 30 points. Yeah. Whereas now, yeah. they're teammates of those players. Yeah. They play with them every, every day. They train with them. So they understand what, what they're capable of and, we're just as good as in that area as well. Hey, Danny, I got a question for you. Let's let's envision this in the future. Sure. Right, so, so Ben Simmons uh, is towards the end of his career, and so is Paddy Mills. Uh, they come to you separately and asking you, Danny, what what do I do? Which team should I sign with? Sydney Kings or Illawarra, Illawarra Hawks? Uh, you What's your advice, there. Danny? <laughs> you have to go there. <laughs> Uh, this is recorded, Danny. Advice, Danny. This is recorded. Once something goes on the internet, you always have the internet. So, so be careful what you're saying now. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, just sign in the league. Just sign. It'd be amazing to have you sign in the NBL. Uh, before we get off um, the the current crop of um, NBA talent, um, NBA has got about to resume um, shortly um, in Orlando in the in the Walt Disney bubble. Um, thoughts on the current. Um, Australian players and how they'll fare. Um, 
name a couple examples of who you think will will really make a big impact um, coming home to to finish the season in the NBA. Australian players, yeah, Australian players, Australian players. Mm, who we've got? I mean, obviously Ben Simmons. Ben. Um, well, Paddy Mills will be there. Yep. Um, Jingles. Yeah, yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, you know what? It's it's going to be interesting to see how all these players have handled the off season of co- you know the COVID. Mm. You know, lockdown and what they did in in that off season and what they've done to add to their game for that. Um, my my biggest worry is when they come back is I'm just hoping there's not many injuries. You know, you've seen a lot of a lot of downtime. Um, you know, even though they've been working individually, how does it work when you get on court at that level um, and competing on that level? It's, it's going to be different. You know, fans in the stadium, small yep. you know, smaller venues to play in. It's it's going to be uh, you know it's going to be a lot of adjustment for these players. T, who are you most looking forward to seeing out of the Australian players um, to play in Orlando? Yep, um, I, I basically want to see uh, Utah uh, Jingles. Yeah, uh, he's he 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 steps up. He steps up once once the playoffs uh, come come around. Uh, see him lock up um, PG PG in the last couple of years uh, when he was playing for OKC. Uh, that was awesome. Um, the when the playoffs come, the Australian grit comes out, and and this is the point edge of of the season, and and no player wants to be guarded by any of the Aussie guys. The, the Aussie guys, the Aussie guys will make you feel every foul, <laughs> and and I'm proud of that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Same question, Jay. I think um, I want to see how Ben Simmons getting repositioned back to power forward. Um, a lot of people have had a lot to say about that, so I just want to see how they. Um, reposition him back into the power forward. Um, so now I just want to see what, how they rotate between their guys and then how, what his, what his um, house position is right now with, with being in that position. So uh, that's very interesting. I, I want to see how that plays out in Philadelphia. Yep. yep. Uh, no doubt uh, all eyes will be on uh, Orlando for the finalization of the season proper. And uh, look, I'm, I'm, with all basketball fans in wanting to to see an outcome. Um, fingers crossed that there will be an outcome and uh, looking forward to seeing the Australian players do very, very well in it. Now, um, just transitioning back again to the NBL, uh, exciting news with, um, in my view, Tasmania having a, a team come back into the league after 25 years. Um, I do remember watching uh, the, the Tassie Devils um, play out at uh, Hobart and you know it's been a long time 25 years um, that's 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 insane how long a team um, uh, well a city or uh, um, a state in Australia has gone without an NBL team uh, thoughts Danny on uh, the recent news of Tasmania's inclusion into the tw- uh, 2021/22 season yeah, I mean, it's exciting. I think we need need more teams in the NBL. I remember back in the days, they used to have 16 NBL, mm. NBL teams. So mm. uh, I think players these days started getting bored with eight teams and you're playing each team four times in the season. It's like, come on, we need some, some new, new, new teams to play against, some new blood. Um, it's exciting because it creates more jobs, more opportunities. Yeah. Um, you know, there's another three imports we can get into the league. You know, you know eight more Aussie spots that are available for for young talent as well. So, um, yeah, it's exciting times. I think it's going to take the league to 10 teams at the time. Yep. Uh, once that happens, you know, with Brisbane coming in a few, few years ago. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be exciting. 
um, you know, more opportunities to, to see more games. Uh, it is going to be exciting just, you know, having an extra dynamic involved. But um, with all expansions, um, there's obviously with, with the brass of the NBL brass, and they obviously want to see it done right. And I, I think there's the right leaders um, currently involved um, that, that want to see it through and make sure that it, it is done the right way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the way that um, I just reading recently that um, uh, players um, and ex NBA players, you know, being involved in ownership of, of teams. I saw Zach Randolph has been recently involved with the Phoenix and um, uh, it's, it's, it hasn't been, um, uh, uh, a a part of um, you know the the league. This is something new, but yet it it doesn't feel that new, does it? When when these stars come to to focus in on how to how to make money, really, and how to develop the league. But it is exciting to see that you know and ex NBA players are are turning their attention to Australia. Yeah, and it's all it's all part of the relationship building between. Uh, you know the NBL and the NBA, and yep. bringing a lot of ex NBA players uh, and some current NBA players playing in our league. You know, you've got Sean Marion over with the New Zealand Breakers, yep. uh, and Josh Childress also with the Phoenix as well. So you've got you know, and Josh played in the in in the NBL, and That's right. you know he was at uh, I think he was drafted in you know 2004. I think he was a top top ten draft pick at the time. Um, so the more um, high profile players coming down here, you'll find that in the next five to 10 years, that'll be a much more common thing. Now, is it a, a dog and pony show or is it, it's a, or is it a legit thing for, with these ex NBA players coming to yeah. take ownership roles? Yeah, I think for the, it's, it's an opportunity for them to, to, you know, to have a, a new destination. They can, they can visit uh, something different. It's an English speaking country. Yeah. It's, you know, our, our league is played now summertime. Um, it's their winter over there, so it's a good opportunity for them. You know, they've made they've made their millions and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. It's you know, let's let's see what we can do in a different country, and you know, what networks we can build over there. Because a lot of those guys at the end of their basketball careers want to look at what investments they can do, and you know, and, and Australia's a safe place, one of the best countries in the world. Um, you know, something different for them. It is going to be exciting, isn't it? Just uh, the the way that certain players, certain ex-NBA players are, are opening the door or bringing more spotlight into the league because um, that, that no doubt will be a, a, a strong point for the, the NBL's leadership team to, to promote. I mean... That's, it builds credibility for the league. Yes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so not a dog and pony show, but I think it's a legit thing. I, I think I'm with you on that. Um, thoughts on that, T? Yeah, um, I guess when it first started happening, yeah, I... I thought maybe it's just a gimmick. Like they, we're not sure if these players actually are invested in, in into these teams, or we're just using the names, just trying to get publicity. But but as we see over the years, you're getting more players involved, and and there's more teams, so there's a le- legitimacy there, and they they get interviewed on on American radio and podcasts over there, and and they they're, they're raving about the NBL. So it, it's definitely something that uh, they're they're proud of, an investment that uh, they can play a big part in. So yeah, I, I definitely think that it's, it's something that that's real, and um, like like Danny um, spoke about, is something that I think is, is going to keep on growing, because it allows like they said they make millions of dollars, they can have a destination in Australia, 
um, just talking about uh, they can they can probably offride it in tax. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, yeah, just just lots of options there, and coming to Australia, owning a team, which which is it's kind of cool, you know. I think as every every kid out there, uh, basketball kid, like you want to own a team somewhere somehow. Uh, I, I did note that uh, the NBL's commissioner Jeremy Tholiger, um did make mention that you know for a lot of former and current NBA players, they see you know investing. Um, into the NBL uh, and being part of the ownership as potentially being a stepping stone to NBA ownership. Um, dream big, right? I mean, why not? Why not? If, you, if you've got the, the means? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's a, obviously it's a much smaller scale in Australia uh, than it is, an NBA team than it is to an NBA team. But yeah. the fundamentals are still the same. You still got to go through the same thing. You know, you've got to get bums on seats in the stadiums. You got to do the marketing. You got to build a team. It's just on a bigger scale when you get to the NBA. So it's a good opportunity for them to, to you know, wear their teeth just to say, you know, just here, here we go. What's it feel like? What's a what's the experience going to be like? Yeah, yeah. And uh, my final question for for tonight, uh, I'm going to throw it out to each one of you on the panel tonight. Uh, your um, Appointed as part of the the NBL's leadership brass and uh, um, an idea to to grow the game. Any thoughts on uh, out of the box thinking, like you mentioned earlier, Danny? Out of the box thinking. You're gonna start I know with I've sprung RJ. this on you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Maybe give him a sec. Let's go to RJ. Yes. <laughs> well, to be real honest with you, um, ever since I saw Larry Stunstock uh, at, at Nike Factory Auburn. Um, when you sort of look at the way NBL was and the way it is now, I don't know what you guys have done in NBL, but you guys have done a fantastic job and you need to guys keep doing what you're doing because as the NBL has really grown more in the spotlight in Australia and I can see it grow more and more every year. Um, and as, as what Danny said, there was, there's more and more players that wanted to come here, not just to play, but also to invest. Um, so, I think the marketing value and the, and the, and the star-studded faces of former NBA players um, of, and to attract like even, you know, um, other executives from the NBA um, is just, it's just a fantastic job. You guys have done such a great job. Um, whoever's behind that plan, uh, hey, hats off to you. You guys have done a great job. Um, I'm, I'm sure it's more of the marketing um, and, you know, bringing more of the big names, you know, from, from back in the day to, to the current situation it is now with NBL, and I, I think it's just great. Yep, yep. Any takers? Yeah, I got one. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think there's two two things I'd I'd love to see happen. Yep. One of those is let's bring the best NBA team, best Euro League team, or the the finalists of both leagues to Australia for a series around Australia. That's hey. a fantastic idea. That's fantastic. So that, that, that is great. Thing, that's one thing I'd love to see because I know they'd fill up plenty of stadiums around the country. Oh, yeah. The other, the other thing is, I think the current crop of NBL players, we need to create stories around those players to make them household names. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You pretty much um, took took what I'm about to say about making oh. household names. Hundred <laughs> percent. I was gonna <laughs> curse there. <laughs> <laughs> you think about you think about when 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 the Sydney Kings had the D train. Yeah. Um, 
I remember turning on the TV and and and, and he's all over it. Like he he yes. has a he has an ad for uh, mobile. He has an ad for city trains. It was the D train, right? So his name um, matched up with with the product of uh, New South Wales trains. And and everywhere you went, like we we didn't win a championship during that time, but everyone knew who the, who, who the D train was. Like and in, and in my head, he was pretty much our Michael Jordan in in the NBL. Mm-hmm. At the time, like his skill set and his flashiness was was definitely a household name. Like even even if you didn't know, yeah, even if you even if you didn't know basketball, you knew who the D train was. You know, like people who who don't know basketball know who Michael Jordan is. That's yes. that's that's what I think on on, on my level. Uh, the the NBL needs to get all these players. Like we need to have like the Charles Barkley, Patrick Ewing, like those those type of players in every team. So so when they came around, um, they they could sell the drama. Like, you know, last time um, this player, like Ewing, came in town, he dunked on um, Charles Barkley. And this, and this breeds, I guess, the, the man drama that, that, that we love as basketball fans. And I think with that, what the, the current crop of players need to understand that that's what that, they need to embrace that, not yeah. away from it. And I think that's a, that's a key piece. Yep, yep. I'll throw one out there. This has probably been done already, so I excuse my, my, my ignorance on this one. Um, Different towns in Australia have sister cities around the world and sometimes even in Australia. Um, uh, similar to the NBA having a G League affiliate, potentially getting a affiliate down in Australia, being not so much a, a, as a feeder club, but maybe potentially as a training resource for bringing in NBA club players to train with NBL clubs. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know if that's uh, if that's been done or it's 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 in the mix. But uh, just a thought that popped in my head just then. I don't think it's been done. Oh, a lot of logistics <laughs> involved and a lot of paperwork. I know, but uh, it, it, it would be great to see you know um, the cream of the crop in in the NBA just just sharing like three games and because I know that. Um, uh, the, the football team in, in Melbourne, Melbourne City, um, mind you, there's a lot of city clubs in the world. And I remember when, uh, I think it was David Villa came and played for and did a stint with um, the Melbourne, foot, um, Melbourne City Football Club, big, big international football star, and he played three games. And it was, a, it was a big draw card to see, you know, the international talent play three meaningful games in, in Australia. But, hey, one can dream and hopefully one day... Um, you know, the Kings can be affiliated with the Lakers and I'm sure my boy there, T, will uh, enjoy the little connection uh, between the the purple and gold teams from uh, across the, the seas. So, yeah. Definitely. For sure. Uh, okay, lads. Final thoughts on the NBL um, and, and you know, its, its direction and where, where, where it's going to head into the future because, you know, Expansion is now confirmed, and um, will there be more expansion? Will there be further expansion? Yeah, uh, Danny, with the, I guess the COVID situation in Melbourne, is, is that something that uh, the NBL is, is um, I guess, tracking? It, is that going to affect the season if it, I guess, if it keeps on increasing? Yeah, I mean, I think they've announced, Larry Kessler's announced that the, they've pushed the season back from early October to, I think, December 3 at, the, at this stage. Um, so I'm hoping in the next three to four months they start getting things under control. But 
Mm. You know, they can't push it too late because you've got, you know, the Olympics next year in, in July. Um, so, you know, the season's got to be done, you know, well before that for, for preparation. So, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough. Who knows where, it, where, if it flares up again, what they're going to do. But, you know, what I do know is, you know, we're going to have to get out and try to get back to some normality sooner rather than later. Um, but, yeah, there's going to be a lot of challenges for the league coming up with, uh, you know, off-seasons on now. You know, it's managing players. They're used to now, you know, August arriving in the country, starting their pre-season, September games and tip-off early October. But, you know, now a lot of the players are sitting around waiting. Mm. You know, they've got six months before season tip-off. Yeah. Is it is it financial enough to, like, um, like create an NBL bubble? Is that something um, that um, would be feasible? I mean, the biggest problem we've got with the NBL is our, I think, the majority of our revenue comes from the fans. Okay. We're not an NRL or, or you know, AFL where we get big dollars from media, um, from TV and all that kind of stuff. So that, that doesn't exist for us um, like it does for those other sports. So we're really reliant on having fans in the stadium. And basketball, you're up close. It's, 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 you know, it's conducive to having fans there, and, you know, the impact and the atmosphere. So it's going to be very, if they don't go ahead, if they go ahead without the fans, it's going to be um, very tough for a lot of the clubs to survive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, fingers crossed, um, we, we do see um, as a league and as, as a country uh, a way through these these challenging times and look Danny thank you so much for coming on to our show here at the Shooters Roll um, do appreciate your time and your very very good insights in the game about the game here in Oz so thank you so much really appreciate it thanks for having me that's great look uh, Daddy you can follow Daddy's uh, business and coaching endeavors on Facebook and Instagram DKM Blue as well as number one draft pick basketball academy um, is on like I mentioned uh, Facebook and Instagram pages and also you can Google his his business endeavors and also his coaching endeavors as well. Uh, lads, thank you so much for joining the panel tonight. Um, thank you for thanks, guys. Uh, your thanks, contributions thanks. and uh, look for our listeners. Thanks for. Um, tuning in uh, week in and week out. And we do appreciate uh, your support um, for our little passion project here. Um, you can follow Shooter's Roll on Instagram and also Facebook and also our pod on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And don't forget to check out our YouTube channel as well for the latest uh, content that we are producing. So until next time, take care. Thank you.